Godfrey, I'm setting a timer right now. You've got a plane to catch, but we're actually in the same room at the same time for a podcast. I know. We all might fall in love with each other. <laughs> so this is, this is a weird experience. We're all sharing one mic. Uh, we also uh, we, we snared Matt Brown in. Uh, Hi, friends. <laughs> our, our friend and co-worker uh, who actually, we're all in D.C. for meetings. He's actually the only one who's usually here. So. Yeah, it turns out that if you're the only one who has the keys to the conference room where that's we can right. actually do podcasts, that's how you, that's how you snare the, the yeah. special guest spots and all the good stuff. Hey, you become a podcast guest. On that's this, that's on right. This, uh, he, he let us in and we said, hey, you want to hang out for a little while? And we did. Sure. So, it, it's all good. Um, we are recording a podcast. We have uh, no predetermined topics at all. This is... Um, I know that our readers have come to appreciate our level of um, preparation. Well, let me say this. If you're listening to this, it's because of Bill. Because I, I was fine taking the week off, even though I hate it when podcasts I regularly listen to unexpectedly have interruption. Like, I get super butthurt about that. But I was already, uh, if you're a regular listener, I was ready to abandon you by on the side of the road. And Bill... Um, actually, what, two nights ago when we first got here and everyone was drinking and convorting and what such, he was trying, he's like, hey, we should do a podcast, we should do a podcast, and I was like, no, let's not be responsible. So, uh, we're all sitting here, um, really, we're doing this because Bill, Bill pulled the sled on this one, and I have probably, I'd say like 25% of a hangover, Bill has about 50 No, uh, no, I'm probably, I've had some water now, so I'm probably down to the 15 to 25% nice, range. Nice. I feel great. Let's talk about sports, Matt. Um, so we've solicited for questions. Um, oh wow, here it comes. Oh god, here it comes. Uh, <laughs> at Heather Car- or Heather Carpenter. By the way, I'm gonna stop doing the ads. We love you. It's just uh, I've been told in the comments that I'm butchering them. Um, how can y'all talk about Purdue this week? Should we just get it out of the way now? Sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't think we have a way of actually organically doing a Purdue thing. I, I didn't get any long emails, if that's what you're suggesting. Um, I Let's see, what, what heavy Purdue topics are on the list this time? Well, I am seeing a lot of folks ask about Illinois. And yeah. we, could, we could organically that's, talk about Illinois and then segue into how this potentially impacts Purdue now that the Big Ten West <laughs> balance of power has been skewed. I, okay, so, so Lovey, um, the, the reaction... I realize when you're, you know, you're you're wandering through the desert, any sort of, you know, any, any sort of liquid is going to be uh, a beautiful thing, and, and I know Illinois fans are really really excited about Lovey Smith. I don't hate it. A lot of people like seem to not be very impressed. I don't think it's a terrible move. I don't think it's an amazing move. I don't know if it'll work, but he's saying, but I think he brings a level of sanity to the program that they've missed for a very long time. And at worst, if he fails, it'll be like they're boring and they're five and seven, but not other crazy, ridiculous things that they've been uh, going through recently. So I met Cuban staff in San Antonio at AFCA. They were optimistic that they were actually going to have probably a bigger cushion than I think we would expect because the expectations were so low, because the overhead for that staff was so low. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for the for the firing to, to come so swift, and, you know, it was pretty unceremonious. Yeah. It was pretty obvious that the new athletic director had somebody in mind. Yeah. Um, the initial reaction from the coaches I've spoken with is just they, they're a little shocked at the dollar amounts. Yeah. Okay. So $2.9 million. Um, they are a little curious. And, and some of these, I talked to a couple of Big Ten rivals and then just coaches in general. 
Um, when you look at the breakdown of, of what we've seen as far as the staff goes, I don't know, is the Garrett McGee thing official? Looks like uh, it. Okay. Yeah, that's what it's looking like. That's your, that's your tried and true high-level assistant who has, co- you know, who has collegiate experience when it comes to recruiting. I mean, mm-hmm. this, is, this is by and large an NFL staff that's just transitioned into a university that has a terrible, hellish uphill battle in recruiting. So I don't know who's going to suddenly become the ace that, that you know, goes in and wins battles in Chicago. Yeah, that that's been my my big question about this. Like, I think it's a defensible move, and if if you're if Illinois is looking for a way to become more relevant in Chicago, where it, it had been passed by, I think several different programs. That, yeah. that really is a much more neutral ground for the Big Ten or Notre Dame's other programs than you might think from just looking at the map and assuming that it's yeah. that's Illinois territory. And they've struggled. I mean, they've struggled in recruiting in general, but they've right. particularly struggled recruiting in Illinois recently. I'm looking at, like, I'm looking at the, the top prospects from Illinois in last year's class on the 247 composite. Illinois didn't get any of the top 20 from, from 2016. Nice. They, they, they only got you know, four or five in the top 20 from 2014. And, uh, you know, Illinois isn't like New Jersey where, you know, Rutgers is kind of at that same level when you're missing out on a bunch of blue chip guys. Mm-hmm. If you're not getting in that top 20, you're missing out on some kind of mid-level three-star people to like Iowa State yeah. or some non-Big Ten institutions. And, and to get a little bit of buzz in those suburban areas where people actually remember who Lovey Smith is, uh, I think that helps a little bit. But I, I don't look at this and think like, oh, my gosh, Illinois is now going to be like a top yeah. two, maybe even top three program in that division. No. Yeah, I mean, I think I really like the McGee hire, I think. Um, it has been funny. I mean, a lot of people, their initial reaction was, well, he's going to be a great recruiter. And then a lot of people's initial reaction is, you know, he's just he's going to be so quiet and, and non-charismatic. He's not a good recruiter. So I, I don't know. We'll see. When you haven't, when you haven't coached in college in 20 years... It's, it's kind of hard to get any sort of major uh, read for it. As a Missouri fan, I'm curious because St. Louis is obviously um, uh, going to be something they try to hit pretty hard, too. And Missouri has owned, uh, at, at least owned Illinois in St. Louis over yeah. the last uh, 10 to 15 years. So, um, you know, a lot of those battles, the, 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 you know, the, the Zeke Elliott's are going to go where they go. But those, those mid to high three stars, that's where Missouri's kind of made a killing. Um, and, and so uh, I'm, I'm sure Illinois is going to at least attempt to uh, disrupt that. So. I'm just really curious what the what kind of three- to five-year plan he laid out, you know, other than the fact that he is Lovey Smith. I mean, this was very much – if I had to guess, I would say that this was some sort of set of spreadsheets and marketing research surveys that had to do with brand recognition for Illinois and the ability to win short-term season ticket purchases – from you know the Q rating that the X Bears coach brings, and um, and that's already happened. They they've sold over a thousand yeah. season ticket packages right after that. And I mean, yeah. like we see just the screenshots of um, of empty you know noon kickoff games and student sections everywhere. But I feel like in Illinois, like those were particularly striking because they're trying to do like yeah. little card stunts. Yeah, and then you have like two rows uh, of people in there. I think like we're all talking about yeah. the same. Photo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Illinois is probably still going to be bad next year, but. They're, they're at least they're going to have people in the stands. Did it, I, I don't see how this has changed, you know, unless something dramatic happens, and, and I'm proven wrong, both in terms of, well, you know what, let me back up. As, a, as an on-field coach, I have no issue with this hire. But again, when it comes to, not program building, but program resurrecting, I don't see where, where Lovey's skill set necessarily fits in. I don't think this is going to affect the Big Ten in any way, shape, or form, at least for two years, at least. That sounds right. And, and I will also say that, um, I mean, Illinois' biggest problem has been, like, massive 
inconsistency. Like they've, I'm pulling up their recent uh, F plus or S and P plus rankings here, and um, I mean they really they've had some decent years recently. It, like not not amazing. But, um, they are a Rose Bowl program in the last decade. Yeah, I, I have I have football fan memories of being infuriated at Illinois because they dunked on Ohio State. Like that is the thing that has happened that I can remember. So, but they they've just been so chaotic. Like starting in '95, here are their rankings: 95, 78, 19, 29, 80, 33, 48, 96, 74, 60. Like for a while there, until these last couple of years, they they were never even like. 15 or 20 spots, uh, they were at least 15 or 20 spots away from where they had been the year before, like every year. No consistency whatsoever. Now they've kind of established a certain level of consistency, uh, and it's pretty, you know, mediocre in the 60 to 80 range. But that's still not, I mean, depending on the year, just being a top 40 program and getting some bounces will make you a Big Ten West contender. So Yeah, Jeff, so Jeff asked us on Twitter, how does the Big Ten West look any different now to you in a few years? Uh after the Illinois hires. I mean, it's an upgrade. And he like, says, or still Wisconsin? I think he just is asking, is that is that the de facto? Yeah, I mean, I, I still think Wisconsin's the most reliable program for sure. But, I mean, the, the coaching roster, just, just you know, I, I kind of like Bill Cubitt, a, a decent uh, coach anyway. Um, not a program builder, not a, like a long-term answer. But I still think that technically the division's coaching roster is better now. So, yeah, that's something... Makes that Tracy Clay's hire look a little bit worse, I think, here for Minnesota. Yeah, no, absolutely. We and Bill and I talked a lot about this. In the um, Minnesota came open early in the process. I don't even know how you describe it. Like Illinois came up, Illinois came open early, the earliest possible in the process. Yeah. It was post media day, going into the fifteenth season, um, and they neither program really elected to go out and get competitive and try and lure any kind of coach who had any kind of offer from another program. Um, if you're Lovey Smith, I feel like this is such a strange time to be building a staff. Maybe that's why it's so heavy on X NFL. I mean, I know Who he has connections. Right? Yeah, I know he has connections and loyalties. I'll be interested to see how this staff stays together in the next year or two. Yeah. He's brought in a lot of guys who's fiercely loyal to, and a lot of NFL guys. If he needs to make a change and outfit this to be more of a collegiate staff, um, maybe he does that after year one. I mean. If they if if you're looking at a two and ten year, I think he probably needs to make some changes right away. Right, and I think you are looking at a two to four win year. And McGee leaving, it's kind of interesting too because yeah, he has Lamar. He had Lamar Jackson at Louisville for another couple of years, three years. In in case this informs our thought process here at all, in case yeah. you are curious, uh, Illinois' non conference schedule this year includes Murray State. They host North Carolina, who's mm-hmm. coming off a oh, yeah. this, this, that huge year. And then they host Western Michigan, who is pretty good and might be able to beat them on the road. No, I mean, I, I feel like that's one and two. Yeah, and then your your crossover games, they have to go at Michigan. Uh, they're at Rutgers. Right. Um, and then they host Michigan State. So that's almost as hard oh, as you can get gosh. Yeah. For, for the Big Ten East. Um, yeah, so a two to four win season. Yeah, and, and Northwestern, you're, you're, you're on the road, and uh, you, you get Purdue. You know, maybe maybe you knock off Minnesota, but this is looking like maybe a four, a, yeah, two to four yeah. win team, yes. but an exciting one that will get lots of inches in the Chicago Tribune. Yeah, and I think again, not to get redundant, we'll move on. But I feel like this was a, a higher made specifically for for box office reasons, um, yeah. and I, I don't know if it's short sighted or not. We'll find out. Um, let's see, uh, Billy. 
By the way, thank you for the questions very quickly. They're <laughs> rolling in. Um, uh, Flint Philoster asks, uh, will Sunbelt expand again in the near future? Yes. Um, yes, uh, absolutely, yeah. Of all the conferences, they are the most open about the need for fluidity. Um, as programs, I, I think you'll see one or two programs move out as the AAC or CUSA will kind of uh, adjust, especially, well, I mean, Matt will talk about this in a second. Matt and I's favorite hobby is uh, Big 12 expansion. So, yeah. Um, yeah, if you see Cincinnati and BYU or some combination or Houston or what have you, uh, the AAC will recalibrate. Um, and I actually think some programs in the Sun Belt could jump over the CUSA. I think the, the money situation there is going to be interesting to see how they, if they want to come up with a long-term deal with the SPN, if they go to someone else. Um, the, the short answer is yes, absolutely, the Sun Belt will expand. Um, I would assume it would be programs stepping up. Yeah. Um, I mean, they already have Coastal Carolina coming in. They want to have a nice, balanced set of divisions. I think they could support up to 14 teams. Um, yeah, this is their chance to, to become a Sun Belt Conference again. Yeah, I, no. I, yeah. I, just, I, felt, I felt bad for you know, New Mexico State and Idaho, especially, especially NMSU. Because, um, I mean, among other things, they've taken they, – they made a hire uh, that, you know, from day one he's, he has – Gone out of his way to show that he's he's taking the long road. Doug Martin, um, I mean, came from Kent State, almost made Kent State good, couldn't quite. Uh, but he walks in the door in Las Cruces in 2013 and just it, like five year recruits across the board, like very few transfers, very few JUCOs. So he was kind of intentionally taking the long road here, um, and they could actually be relatively okay over the next couple of years. But you needed to be good two years ago, and yeah. they clearly weren't. And and but but this is a chance for the Sun Belt. Uh, my own empathy aside, this is their chance to actually define themselves as a, a Sun Belt conference again, like Eastern Kentucky almost mm-hmm. you know got chosen. Yep. So I actually talked to Carl. I asked Carl Benson about this uh, at the press conference when they announced that Idaho and New Mexico State would be leaving, and he indicated in that uh, in that conversation that the, the, they were very comfortable at ten, but they had also what you know, which is of course is what he's going to say, right. but that there had already been institutions that have reached out mm-hmm. um, about wanting to join. Like we've written on our website. Um, pretty pretty clearly that Eastern Kentucky yep. wants into this. They're they're uh, undergoing a multi million dollar facility re- renovation, trying to change their university from being a more regional commuter focused. Uh, it's been pretty apparent that Liberty wants in. Yeah. Whether that's uh, I mean, athletics wise that makes sense. Outside of athletics wise, yeah. there are some compelling reasons why maybe that's not uh, a thing. Yeah. Um, but. If anything happens with the American, you're right. Like I, I, I think that there's it's likely that people could pick at Conference USA. They, they might pick at one of these schools, and they're going to have a group of four to five FCS programs so that will be willing to make the jump. Matt and I have heard about this a bit. They, they, they finish the year with 11 teams. They're going to be minus the two outliers. Mm-hmm. So and, that, and adding Coastal. Adding, adding Coastal. coastal. I, I mean – Eastern Kentucky is. If someone's asking me what program do you feel like goes in next, I think it's Eastern Kentucky. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, they, they were, were close last time, yep. right? Yeah. Um, and then after that, it gets kind of creative. I I I know they would like James Madison, which yeah. is one of the largest athletic departments that doesn't have FBS football. But yeah. like Montana, like some of these places in the in the Big Sky, they've turned that down. I yeah. think if they decide they want to. Um, they probably have the infrastructure to make that jump a lot easier than some other places. And you look at you, then you then you start looking at other teams in the Colonial or, or kind of or else that elsewhere in the South. Right. I mean, in the Colonial, obviously, you've got the the Richmonds and the William and Marys, yep. um, Williams and Marys, uh, Bill, Bill and Mary, if you will. 
And then, I mean, in the Big South, you've had, like, I mean, Charleston Southern uh, has been decent. They were good last year, at least. I'm trying to think. I can't remember how frequently they're good. Uh, but you've got programs like that. Kennesaw State, of course, Jason Kirk University. Um, <laughs> I would probably vote against that one just because of the agreement that they have in place with Georgia State and oh. also Georgia Southern. I don't think they would want too much they're, they're, Atlantis. They're scared. <laughs> um, That's fair to say. But, yeah, I mean, that, you're looking at a group like that. Technically, you could go up the coast towards the New England schools, but that's probably, that would make a lot of sense since you just... Uh, yeah, well, UMass is available. That's right. They are very... I completely forgot sure. about that, by the way. So thank you yeah. for pointing that out to me in, in our Slack room the other day. I, I was I would have probably started off the MAC previews with a UMass preview. I'd be <laughs> curious about the stability of the Conference USA and how that factors in down the stretch if uh, if they're going to do something about their, their brand identity, if they feel like they're going to lose more schools. Um, well, the good news is... Didn't you, you and I cooked up the, the CUSA Sunbelt combined zombie, thing, right? Yeah, zombie conference a yeah. couple weeks ago, and it still stands as... I mean, if you're, if you're looking logically at this situation, the best way to service these schools might be some sort of... Uh, yeah, I still, I still like the idea of the American expanding to, like, 48 teams and creating tiers. Yeah. Just absorb all these yeah. other You know, it, it's funny. I, 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 a couple of months ago, I remember foiling all the paperwork for the, the teams that, that most recently joined Conference USA. And there's some language in there about their obligations in case they'd combined with the Mountain West. Yeah. Which was, oh, was just something that people right. really talked about, like, you know, like four or five years ago. Right. Um, and I, I haven't heard any evidence that that's something that, that would happen again. But you really, like, especially because their TV situation, I feel like, is much less stable now that they've a lot of right. their good programs have left. Yeah. If you're looking for, like, the next really big change, like, I don't think it's going to be in a power conference necessarily. But if, uh, if you want to leave Conference USA, like, now's your chance. <laughs> uh, Brian Dewey asks, any discernible coordinator effect in year-v-year uh, year year performance? Thinking Aranda, LSU, Mazzoni, A&M, Auburn, and Kevin Steele. Um, just, you mean, is there a discernible... I think that's what he's... I, you yeah. know, so much of coaching hires is really hard to project. Yep. Um, because for every, you know, for every you, you hire, you make this type of hire, he works, another guy doesn't, and then so the average is, you know, zero, basically. So it's really hard. I will say... Um, I mean, the easiest way to figure out if a new hire is going to be good or bad is just kind of compare compare what a, an offense or defense did last year to what they kind of tend to do over the course of like twenty years. That's um, you know, that maybe not at the coordinator level as much as the head coaching level, but that's the, the, I mean, the best way because we always seem to grab to uh, you know regress or progress back to the mean in college football, and and so um, I mean you know Aranda. I don't think you need any projections to figure out that a random might do pretty good. You never know how you know you're going to work with a new boss, I guess. But I mean, he's he was fantastic at Utah State. He was great at Wisconsin, and now he gets you know an upgrade in in uh, you know the number of four and five stars he has on the two deep. So I, I think that's going to be uh, very good. Steel at Auburn. Um, I mean, of the three, I think Aranda gets the best situation. I, I would agree. Yeah, <clears throat> and I think uh, if. I don't know how specific the question is if it's if it's year one versus year two or if, if, right. if we're talking about a bounce effect of a new name. But um, by and large, I I've I've stuck to saying this, just learning it from defensive coordinators. It you you have to wait a year on, on defensive coordinators if you're changing scheme, which I don't think Iran is going to change scheme that right. much. I mean, he, he likes three four, and that's not really what they did last year, but. Um... I, I, I gotta figure he's probably pretty flexible too. Yeah. Like he's not gonna say I'm a three four guy and there's a, change uh, all of this. 
There's an awesome piece by Ross Dellinger um, that kind of goes football study hall with it, and I think it came out right after, maybe a day after the, the hire was announced in December. Um, check that out because there is, a, there is some flexibility within his scheme. And also the personnel at LSU, is, is there, there's enough talent on that roster to be able to kind of mold, flip, and, and, and at least modify some things temporarily before he can go in and recruit guys that – Although I mean, at Louisiana, you're not really, you're never going to recruit your system. You're going to go out and get the best defensive, some of the best right. defensive talent in the country, and then you work around them mm-hmm. if you're good. If yeah. you're good, no, I like the hire. Um, I'm just going to jump into a question for Matt. What does it take right now, Matt, for BYU to present the most accessible, clear, agreeable presentation to the Big Twelve? That is a great question. So, yeah, that's why I asked. I know. So, Tom Homo called me up and was like, I, you know, I need you to make this PowerPoint. We, we, we've got to do it. Um, for BYU, I feel like they like everything really has to be negotiable at this point, except for Sunday play, which is something that they'd rather they close the university. Okay, right? so yeah. so let's stop right there. They yeah. would, they would, that's off the table. That's yeah, that that's off the table. Okay, and they, Sunday play would really affect women's basketball. That's the first thing I think of, and yep. baseball series. Um, yeah, mostly that. The, the um. The columnist at the, the Tulsa newspaper actually did, I think, an interesting job of breaking down exactly which sports have their, their championship events uh, on Sundays and, and routinely play. But it's, it's, it's biggest for baseball and softball and for women's basketball. Um, and it's for tennis and maybe some cross-country things. Okay. But, like, no one's going to make a conference realignment decision right. based on a Based on track. Yeah, on your tennis team. It, it, you know, it hurts your BYU that there's not, like, a travel partner for some mm-hmm. of those baseball things. But, like, they can move those things up a day, and, 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 that, w- and that wouldn't hurt it. Uh, I would be very uh, deliberate in trying to ease any concerns about BYU's TV network. Uh, I think there might be some misconception among uh, some writers who look at that and assume that it's analogous to what Texas has with the Longhorn Network. (coughs) BYU TV doesn't really exist primarily as a vehicle for BYU athletics. There's, I mean, like there's... There's there's a lot of religious programming that's on there. There's a really terrible like, SNL skit show clone. Matt told me about things. this early in the trip, no. and I'm going home and hitting that up immediately. It's called, it's called Studio C, and I think the disagreement about whether this is good or not has been one of the biggest uh, fights <laughs> we've had in my marriage because my wife is a BYU grad, and and she knows people who have been on the show, and she thinks so. It's she good. likes it. She she does she does like it. Um, okay. And and I would I, say, there's nothing wrong with it. I think it's no, probably going to be awesome. I can't wait to go home and DVR. I mean, it's it's, it's probably fine, but <laughs> it's, it's 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 not it's not my cup of tea. Um, and and given the way that BYU's television situation is set up and, and kind of the quirks around their financial arrangement, I, I I really think that that's something that could be folded in there, mm-hmm. or that they don't they they're not they don't have to look at that as being a primary money maker mm-hmm. like another school would be. And so then it's just a question of well, how does are, are we going to let travel be an issue here? Because, yeah, Morgantown to Provo, that's really far. That's like 1,800 miles. Mm-hmm. But Seattle to Tucson is really far. Right. And Rutgers to Lincoln, Nebraska is really far. Like, most conferences have a 1,500-mile trip. And what BYU can say is, you know what? Unlike all these other developmental schools, we're good at sports. Right. We have a, a bowl team, we have a, a, a perennial bowl football team. We have a basketball team that will be able to compete for an NCAA bid. Uh, even in an upgraded conference, mm-hmm. we are a national powerhouse in volleyball. We we are we are competent in a lot of these other programs here, and we have a fan base that will show up to yep. every one of these games. Um, because the, the Mormons will drive. I mean, God for you and I saw this when we went to a, yeah. this freezing cold day in um, cold. Middle Tennessee State, and this was in BYU lost four games in a row, and like their season was already shot. And look, there's not a whole lot of Mormons in Central Central Tennessee. 
and BYU just took over that, that stadium. And they'll do that anywhere, even if there aren't like BYU fans or grads there, because Mormons will just drive three states over. Um, and, and, and you can add that. And, and I, I, for me, like, I feel like that's really more of a sure thing than it would be to bring in a kind of community college in a big market and hope that that pays off for television. So, um, you know, I, we got a question about this, but I was going to take it in this direction anyway. So, CBS had a piece the other day. It was kind of the most recent uh, Big 12 expansion piece where, I mean, the, the, the premise was that there are just no obvious answers here for the Big 12 at all. Um, uh, 10 versus 12, championship game versus not championship game, blah, 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 blah. Um, the, the, the overriding thought was the Big 12 must, in all caps, do something. But if there were an obvious answer, they would have done something. Like, there's, it's just it's such a tricky situation here. And, of course, the major reason it's tricky is because LHN exists and uh, Big 12 Network does not. And what do you do if you're Texas? Like, th that seemed to be the, the, the most interesting part of the piece, and it really probably shouldn't have been interesting at all, was just this line from uh, Bob Bowlesby about how, you know, we've had kind of sort of had conversations and, they haven't said yes, but they haven't said no. Um, but if you're Texas, you know, you're not financially failing from LHN. ESPN's not a big fan of it right now, I don't think. But, like, you have a contract. Do you just kind of let the, you know, basically say, you know, we're keeping Longhorn Network and, you know, maybe our conference survives, maybe it doesn't, but we're keeping the Longhorn Network. Maybe maybe you guys know about this better than I do, but I don't really understand a reason why they why they wouldn't do that. Like why why Texas wouldn't decide you know if 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 this conference dies it dies but we're Texas and right. if this falls apart the Big Ten and the Pac twelve and the SEC will all bend over backwards to try and get us mm -hmm. these checks still cash right um, and even if and it, even if they did let, let's say they folded in there because the Big Twelve is, is terrified about their revenue projections falling right. below the Big Twelve the Big Ten and the SEC even if they get this network it's still it's still, still, still going to yeah. be behind there like yeah. you know the, the, the big this conference is full of a lot of institutions that are do not have national fan bases have their alumni and fan concentrations relatively close to, to that right. state and away from big media markets. Like Iowa may be in Iowa, but Iowa's a gigantic school, and there are Iowa grads and fans that are everywhere. And that's not really the, as much the case with Oklahoma State or Kansas State. So this, even if you get this, Texas takes up a haircut, mm -hmm. and then 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 you're, you're you're chasing Jim Delaney by fifteen million dollars instead of twenty. Right. I, I I don't see the incentive for Texas to make any change. Yeah, I think you know the, I think the hubris from Texas has died down a little simply because the product hasn't been as good. <laughs> yeah. 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 It might be that simple. Um, the decision makers have changed too. That's true too. Yeah, and um, they 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 have an athletic director who might have a part of a heart now, um, as opposed to the last one that I don't name on the show, but, um, so, you know, may, maybe they, they decide, you know, we want to be in the Big 12, and we'll start to figure it out, but that would kind of go against every move they made over the last five, six, seven years. So the conference subcommittee on expansion review is being headed by three presidents, all right, so I find this interesting, because I don't know how it factors for BYU, but I know that it factors in favor of an Eastern team, which is probably going to be Cincinnati, so it's yep. David Bourne at Oklahoma, mm -hmm. Ken Starr at Baylor, 
and Gordon Gee at West Virginia. And as a quick aside, Gordon Gee, a Latter-day Saint who is from Utah and previously taught right, at BYU. Right. Oh, he's LDS? Yeah. He is okay, LDS. Well, there yeah, you yep, go. Yep, we, we, we talked about it a lot because he was, he was my university president at Ohio State and used to like come to our church that's right. oh, Okay, that's right, that's right. Yeah, and then you've got the university president from the other conservative religious institution within that's the true. Big 12. So like... If you're at BYU and you're trying to imagine like three right. universities who are going to be most like in your ear, I think it might be these three. Well, and the thing that that grouping shows me is that now, now these three don't have absolute power by any stretch, no. but they're the ones that are going to be kind of leading this force. West Virginia needs an Eastern pairing. Yep. Yeah. Okay. I he, mean, it's it's he's bad. Told me that. Yeah. I mean, it's it's really bad. Even when when uh, da- Dabo, um, when Hall goes, you know, he's such a, not grumpy or cantankerous, but he, he never wants to cite any kind of outside factor as being a problem. They are now finally saying, hey, the travel sucks. Yeah. And not, not even so much for football. He said repeatedly, he goes, we can get used to it. It's baseball, it's basketball, right, it's all right. this I mean, other stuff. So they have to have an Eastern pairing here. They like Ohio because of the television market. And then you look around, there's no other candidate. So you assume, okay, maybe it's a Houston. I don't see Baylor. I don't see another Texas school being attractive. I don't see Baylor ever wanting to share Texas any more than they have to. They right. didn't want TCU to begin with, right? You know the not rivalry, um, and I don't <laughs> see I don't see any committee bringing to Texas and saying, "Hey, here's another Texas school that you're gonna have to compete with." I, no way. No. I TCU don't. shut the door on that. So, okay, so it's none of those programs. We feel pretty strongly that Cincinnati would help complement West Virginia. It really comes down to me that. BYU or what a Florida directional or Connecticut or, 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 or that's right. UConn yeah. apparently is viewed more highly than we always think they are uh, from everything you've seen. And yeah, what, I, yeah, which kind of boggles my mind. But I, I think I think it's all, I'll probably write about this later because I, I you know you, you you look at the Big Ten adding Rutgers. I'm like, well, here's this not very good athletic program, but it's close to a huge city, and it made the Big Ten gobs of money. You know, ergo the Big Twelve should be able to do the same thing. And like, I don't think that there's similar situations at all. Yeah. And I think yeah. it would be a big mistake and. It'll make Connecticut fans really angry at me on Twitter, but that is apparently something that they are investigating. I'm curious how they look at BYU and the way they translate, because Cincinnati can plant their flag and say, come use us for our market, right? Because yeah. it's, it's whatever the state population is, the, the, the television markets of Ohio and all that. Yeah. No one else is that attractive. That All that makes sense. Like yeah. It's a small stadium. It doesn't have that history. I get that. But then for BYU, is I don't know what's most appealing for the Big 12. Is it is it what, you Matt, you and I have written about before where you have a you know basically an instant road fan base no matter where you go you know is it something that would be discernible for television like what kind of numbers does does BYU do um and as we story plan live on a podcast maybe you and I should look at ESPN's you know what kind of numbers BYU does pull um, because they have an agreement where basically every game hits some every, form every, of television. Yeah, every I mean. every every game basically is on an ESPN partner. And right. one thing that's made BYU, I think, particularly viable for ESPN has been their willingness to play um, teams that you've heard of in unique time slots. So yeah. like BYU, BYU, <laughs> it's a very good way of putting it. Right. So like like they're going to play Boise State. I think it's going to be on a Friday night, and yep. then like they're the only game on TV, and right. people are going to watch it. Or they're going to play a Power Five team, and they'll do it on a Thursday. Or, or they'll move around a little bit so they're not butting up against you know six other teams on Saturday at primetime, which I think helps their numbers a little bit. So scrolling through, okay, let's, let's take a look at their schedule. Um, this is the this is the loaded year, Matt. That you yeah. and I wrote about mm-hmm. two years ago. Um, it's pretty impressive. I think we, Bill, have we done this on the show before? I think so. I think so. It's it, it, it's worth it's worth paying attention to this year if you're a Big Twelve fan because I think their performance 
I don't think this is going to happen. New coach, new systems. Like, but if they were to to have an impressive performance this year, defined by what at nine wins. Yeah. I mean, that's something that I think maybe makes them, even eight, depending on who you beat. If yeah. you beat UCLA and Michigan State, uh, neutral site game with Arizona um, at Utah, UCLA, West Virginia, Toledo at Michigan State. You get Mississippi State on a Friday night in Provo. That's one of those. That's that's a perfect definition and, of what you yep. just talked about. And that's right after they play Auburn, and like oh, it's going to be an emotional game. And oh like, yeah, they have a real chance to win. Hell of a trap game, absolutely yep. for Mississippi State. Um, at Boise, a bye at Cincy. Southern Utah, UMass, and Utah State. So, in typical BYU fashion, it loses uh, a claim down the stretch right. because everyone Everybody's is in conference, conference play. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you play Mountain West teams. Not much you can do about that, but, um, you know, I don't know if they can maintain that kind of level of scheduling. Eventually, I think you have to just give up. And So, Bronco, uh, when there was an article like a week or two ago um, where Bronco Mendenhall talked about, he kind of opened up a little bit about leave, leaving BYU to begin with. Um, and it was kind of interesting. I mean, he, he made it sound like, even as a head coach, like living the independent life is maybe harder than some realize. And I was trying to figure out, like, he didn't, he was pretty vague overall, but it was kind of, I, I was thinking about it from a coach perspective, and I, I was struggling with that. Like, what would be specifically hard as a coach, of, to, you know, when it comes to being independent and... I think not having the regular opponent rotation. Just, okay, okay. Yeah, so, like, you, you've got, like, completely redo your film study every time because yeah. there might be two, only two or three teams you're seeing on a regular basis. I think the emotional angle was pretty hard too. Like, you know, if, 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 you're, if you're BYU, practically speaking, by week three, you are out of the playoff and you are out of yeah. the, the, the New Year's Six conversation because you don't get that same auto bid that, like, the Mountain right. West winner does. So you're going to the Poncenia Bowl and it's, like, late September and you already know that. Yeah, that's so, right. like, managing that kind of, those kind of emotional ups and downs with your team can also, I think, be a little bit more difficult. To say nothing of that's one more thing in recruiting, and that's something that Mendenhall struggled a little bit with. Uh, you can't you. name a program outside of Notre Dame that's going to tell you independence is a good thing. Well, right. I mean, it wasn't. Yeah, I was yeah. just trying to. Yeah. I mean, it, it is. I think it's unquestionably better for them than the Mountain West was. Like, if you if you ask a BYU person in Utah, like, would you rather be in purgatory but get to host Wisconsin right. and play Michigan State and go to the Poncenia Bowl, or be in the Mountain West and make less money and be stuck going to Wyoming and make the Poncenia Bowl? Yeah. Like, I think they'll all tell you that they, they prefer this. But yeah. I think everyone kind of knows, like, you can't keep this going. Bill, how are we on time? Am um, I gonna, am I we gonna have go five minutes, and then the alarm goes off. Five minutes. Okay, so in the last five minutes, do you guys want to do a Twitter question? Is there anything we want to jump on in terms of Bill and I will be back on our reg- regular schedule. Uh, me with a less slurry hangover, and Bill is uh, – oh, you're headed to the Sloan Conference this week. Yeah. You yeah. leave here, and you head to Boston for the Sloan Conference. I uh, was at Arizona last week, um, and we'll have something up either end of this week or early next on uh, the tyranny and the, the awfulness of the spring game because Arizona sort of blew <laughs> theirs up, and I'm going to write about that um, when I'm not sitting in meetings. I'll probably be writing about basketball this week. I'll uh, be as fun. We don't, we don't even know what that is. What's yeah. Well, I mean, there, there's, there's, some, there's some daytime basketball games today that should be, should be kind of interesting. Allegedly. 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 Yeah. Um, so, actually, let me uh, cross one off in my inbox. Okay. I did get a couple. All right. Um, <laughs> Can we do it in four minutes? Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, so the, I, th- I thought I saw the word Purdue here, but it, it was referencing <laughs> Wake Forest Purdue uh, our discussion. So okay, what are the realistic futures for the various private school teams at FBS? In my mind, there were three types: 
successful power conference, so Baylor, TCU, Stanford, Northwestern, Notre Dame, USC, Miami, unsuccessful power conference, Wake Forest, Boston College, Vandy, and group of five, like Rice and Old Dominion. What do you think the future holds for these? I mean... Ooh, it's big, uh, it's broad. Right, um, I mean, I think just for most of those schools, even the ones that he, that are, are defined as successful, other than you know, Notre Dame, USC, maybe Miami, um, I mean, it's just... It, it's always going to be a relatively hard job, and you have to make really good hires to do well. Mm-hmm. Um, they all have. Like, Baylor has, TCU has, Stanford has. Northwestern's been good hire. Like, I'm, I'm not going to put them on the same level It's, there. it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> there's a, that top-level group, there, there's... Those situations don't all match up. So on the back end, USC and Miami, yes, those are private schools, but they've always operated sort of in the public domain. Right. They were, they're, they're extremely accessible and popular within the, the communities, which is something private schools normally have to fight to get. I'm thinking of like Vandy, for instance, or right. Northwestern and Greater Chicago. Um, up front, what I see is a lot of recent success coupled with a ton of money, and that's Baylor, TCU, and Stanford. Yeah. Um, I think they're actually better for the for the long term because of the economic strength that they have. In addition to being in good conferences and and having good recruiting bases. And then no, I mean Notre Dame's uniqueness is it, yeah, it all it, it's just like we got then the last subject we you know Notre Dame's independence Notre Dame it's it's hard to compare Notre Dame to anything. I mean it's a, it's, a, it's it, its own thing. It has a comparative yeah. autonomy. So but then Wake Forest, Boston College. I mean those are just hard jobs. Yeah. Uh, like. You know, BC not very long ago showed that they, you can kind of generate something. They had a lot of bowl seasons uh, in a row, and then they just kind of made some shaky hires and, and fell off a little bit. That's but, an ACC title game, isn't it? Wake Forest, BC at one point. Georgia Tech, Wake Forest, Georgia That's Tech. That's right, yeah, okay, yeah. Uh, and then Boston College. I was just College. thinking gold helmet. BC, man. That was the year Boston College was, like, briefly in the top five, though, if I remember, right? Matt Ryan, you're right. 2007? Uh, well, well, 06 was Six. Wake Forest. Yeah, 06 was Wake Forest, Georgia Tech. 07 was when Boston College okay. was one of 38 teams to have the number two ranking at one point. Um, yeah, BC, BC, and, but they, I mean, they've made ACC title games too. And, and so, I mean, I, I think you just have to make, with a job like that, you have to make a great hire to have a good product. Like at, at like Alabama, you just have to make a good hire to have a great product. And, and in BC, it's the opposite. But I mean, they, they crafted a good identity and they, they won a lot of games for a lot of years. I mean, they... Um, what was it, like from 99 to uh, the middle of the Spaziani era uh, in 2010, they made a bowl every year. So I think it has to do with money. I mean, I think that's what he's getting at when he talks about public versus private. Yeah. Um, and I think, the, the again, the universal appeal or the, the large brand name, I mean, I think if you ask most college football fans who maybe aren't from Los Angeles, if USC is public or private, I think they would probably assume that it's public. Yeah. yeah. I think that helps their cause. Same with Miami. I think yeah. a lot of people wouldn't know that. Um, and so take that appeal, which comes from winning, by the way, and comes from winning with local players. Yeah. That's probably the two most successful things is get out there in the community and then also recruit local kids because when those two programs are at their best, they're only pulling from a five-mile radius. Right. And then on the other side of it, I think uh, win games, make money, and create that perpetual cycle, which right. is what Baylor and TCU and Stanford Right. I mean, as far as what the future holds, I mean, I, I don't see the future being any different than the present just yeah. in, in terms of, like, the, the obstacles and, and the, you know, uh, the potential for good or bad, I, I don't think that really changes. It's just, you know, how well are you doing? I mean, this Wake sucks, not because they're private. Wait, That's fair. I mean, yeah. B, I think BC sucks right now, not because they're private. One one other thing that, you know, I'll, I'll just throw out there, for particularly for Wake and BC, I feel like they're also disadvantaged because their basketball programs have fallen apart at the same time. It's a very good point. Yeah. And, and that robs you of a chance. Oh, there it is. Oh.
I, li- I like this game show stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, is Apple going to sue that's us? The, that's the, the, the alarm that the four-year-old responds most positively for. Because that's basically what we do, is we, like, five minutes to bath time, set the timer. <laughs> okay, we'll set the timer. Give me one more minute. So, that, that is the default alarm setting. All right, so on, on behalf of those of us traveling out right now, it's the, uh, officially the shortest, most probably most efficient podcast and play nobody. Yeah, we'll, try, we'll, do, we'll do a lot worse next time, don't worry. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Matt, for coming. And thanks for having me. This was fun. All right, guys, see you next week.